Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. This episode, I'm going to talk to you how the first impression or the perception of your company really defines you to the customer and some things you can do to make that first impression stick and to land that job by doing really simple little things with your service business. Pool Service Pro, open a Leslie's Wholesale account today and receive wholesale pricing on products you use every day. Leslie's Pool Supply offers convenient locations that are open seven days a week. Another great benefit of opening a Leslie's Wholesale account is Leslie's Referral Program. Get referred to a customer looking for weekly pool service. Save time and money and grow your pool service route and become a Leslie's Pro. I think it's really hard to understand the first impression that you leave on a client Unless you've really studied this, or if you if you haven't hired a lot of people like I have, as far as other contractors out there, I do use a lot of the same people over and over again, but I will reach out and use new people. And the first impression that I get is usually on the phone, whether I'm texting them or calling them. And the first impression on the phone or texting is how fast you respond. Now, I know it's one of these things where we've kind of got spoiled in the, you know, in this day and age where... If you don't get an email, and this happens to me all the time, like I don't sometimes I don't respond to an email within the first three or four hours, and then I'll get an email on my alternate email address. Some people have my other email addresses. They'll send me another one. Like I didn't see the first one, or they'll send me a follow up email within like two hours saying, "Oh, I just want to know if you got the email." And same thing with text messages. If you text somebody and they don't text you back within like ten minutes, you think that they're ignoring you. So that's kind of like the society that we've developed into. When I first started in the industry, we didn't have cell phones. I would go to a pay phone to call somebody if I needed something. We had rudimentary pagers back then where you would just get a page and the person's number on it. And then you'd have to find a pay phone somewhere to call them back at. This is like the dark ages of of service. I mean, when I was a kid, you would knock on your friend's door. If they weren't home, sometimes you'd leave a note. Or you would just tell their parents, hey, when Johnny comes back, let him know that I was here. So I get it. We're in a fast pace. Come on, let's respond kind of world. If you don't get back to me within like one minute, you're no good. And this kind of is how it is and you have to deal with it. So if you're getting a call from someone for a bid on service, if you don't answer that phone, chances are they're going to just go back down the list on Yelp or Google and call someone else and you're going to lose that business. So I get it. So when you pick up the phone... You want to sound like you're engaging them. Even though you're in the middle of your work day, I understand that. Maybe you're having a tough day. So you just want to kind of play it down and just pick up the phone and answer it in a professional manner. When someone texts you, you want to text them back in a professional manner and in a timely manner. So I think the first impression people get, unfortunately, is if you don't respond within 20 or 30 minutes, you're not a very responsive company. And I see a lot of these one-star Yelp reviews out there. You know, I called the company and I couldn't get a hold of anyone for an hour. And then they never called me back. And so these are like one-star type reviewers out there doing that. 
and you want to be responsive. So that's the first impression you're going to leave the client is how responsive you are. Now, when you meet the client, what I like to do is carry a spare shirt in my truck. Granted, it may be a little wrinkled because it's just in the back seat. I'm not that careful with it. I probably should be more careful and hang it up or something. But I carry a spare shirt on my truck. So when I do meet somebody, if I'm out there working all day, I'll quickly change my shirt and put on a clean shirt. Not much I can do about the pants I'm wearing, but I try to stay as clean as I can out there. And having a clean shirt really helps that first impression. And then, of course, using things like sir and ma'am, or if they're a doctor, calling him doctor. These are all important aspects that we're really lacking in California doing that. We don't do that very often. And so what I do in my daily activities now is I'm using the word sir a lot so that I'm kind of staying in practice. So wherever I'm at, I'll ask somebody, like just yesterday I was somewhere and I asked someone, excuse me, sir, where's the nearest bathroom? That's important and I think that helps develop that skill where using sir to address somebody versus just saying, hey, you know, where's the nearest bathroom? Or when you meet the client, you're not going to say, oh, hey, how you doing? You want to use, how you doing today, sir? And these are all important things. These are etiquette, and these are things that you need to be aware of. It sounds really basic, but the client may get the impression of you of being someone who's not, you know, polite or educated if you address them in the wrong manner. There's a really good book by one of my favorite authors, Malcolm Gladwell, and it's called Blink, and it's about first impressions, and he gives you different examples, and, you know, like, why are there, you know, there was a police shooting, and he goes into detail what went wrong and their first impression of what the situation was. And so the book's really good at explaining how the first impression kind of sticks. And we have kind of a natural, almost a built-in, like, sixth sense when you meet somebody, like, how many times have you done business with somebody and you get the sense that, uh, I think that person is not going to be good. And when I do my rentals, I like to meet the tenant and kind of get a feel for them besides the paperwork. And I think you kind of have that natural sense. And then the book talks about how you develop that and how you make that stronger and get better at it. And so it's something that you would develop over time. And I think it's really important that you understand that a lot of clients will take that first impression of you, and they're going to perceive you as that going forward at that point. So a clean appearance, answering your phone, unfortunately, in a timely manner with this day and age means right away and getting back to them as quick as you can. Now, I deal with people that I know can't get back to me right away. Like, for instance, one of my plumbers, he doesn't get back to me until the evening when he's done with his job, and I respect that, and he prepped me on that ahead of time. Like, I'm out in the field, And if you do text me, I do get the message, but I can't do any kind of responding until later in the evening. And he always gets back to me. So that's not a problem. But of course, that's not the first impression because I've dealt with him before and I know that's his MO. And you want to establish a good first impression. Where you park your truck is another good impression on the client. You know, if you pull up into the driveway, they're going to get maybe the wrong impression of you. I rarely will park in the customer's driveway when I do service unless I have to. There's certain streets where I can't park anywhere but the driveway, and the customer knows that. But I don't immediately park in the driveway, and I try to avoid parking in customers' driveways for a number of reasons. Number one, you could spill chemicals in their driveway. I've done that before, unfortunately. You could also block their car from you know, getting out or someone's trying to pull in behind you. So these are all issues that happen when you park in the driveway of course you can't avoid it in some situations where you have to park in the driveway but when you can park in the street and the driveway is open I don't park in the driveway I park in the street that just shows 
kind of respect for the client's property. And if you call like a plumber over, they don't immediately pull up into your driveway. They park in the street because they're showing you the proper respect. So parking where you park is also important. Now, I wouldn't particularly say that you need to have your truck wrapped or a newer truck, but the truck should look presentable. I mean, if you're hiring someone to do, you know, a major job at your house and they pull up in a beat up 1990s A-team type van that's just the paint's peeling and it, well, the A-team van actually looks pretty good, but that kind of a van like that and it's all beat up, you're going to get the impression that this person might be a little sloppy with their work or may, may not um, have enough resources to have a decent vehicle. All these things may go through their head immediately because they go through my head immediately when I see someone's vehicle. And I think, again, it's just something that's ingrained in us because if you're out there in the real world and you're at like the supermarket and someone pulls up next to you in a Lamborghini, you're going to wait and see who's getting out of that car. It's just one of those human things where we want to see the person behind the car. And we kind of judge people on the vehicles they drive. And I can't deny it, you know, I when someone's driving like a $100,000 Tesla, they automatically get more respect than if they were driving uh, a 1965 uh, VW Bug. I mean, that's just how it is, and it's just human nature. And so your vehicle does reflect your business. Don't try to deny it, saying, well, you know, I have this truck, and I it's, it looks good, and I've had it for 20 years, and whatever you want to have, however you want to kind of deny the fact. People do judge you by the vehicle you drive, your appearance, and that's just their first impression. Now, as they get to know you, they may understand why you drive an old pickup truck and, you know, there might be a good story behind that. But I'm talking first impressions here and you want to make a good first impression. I'm not saying you want to go out there and buy a new truck, but I think you need to have something that when you pull up, it's not going to be something that draws their attention to you. In other words, you probably don't want to have, you know, a $90,000 truck. That would be a little bit on the other side of it. But in the same respects, you don't want to have something that looks like it's falling apart and it's going to draw the customer's attention towards your vehicle and not towards what you're there for. So you want to kind of have a happy medium there and something nice. I mean, the plumber that I use has a vehicle that costs, I think, 60000 He can stand up in the back of the truck. It's really cool. It's a really nice rig. But I would say that's on the extreme side. And that gets him a lot of business for sure because he has a really nice service truck. And there is something to say for having your truck wrapped and having a nicer looking truck. But I'm just saying you want to find a happy medium. You don't want to go hog wild and spend so much money on a vehicle and it'd be too flashy. All I'm saying is that you want to make a really good first impression with the client. And then you can build a relationship up and, you know, you can give them little details like, for instance, oh, if you text me, I'm out in the field, I'm going to get back to you when I can. It may be a little longer than in a lot of cases, depending on what I'm doing. And you can explain things out to them at that point. And you want to do things, in my opinion, not to turn off any customers. And I'm really big on not using profanity. I think there's really no place for it in the business world. And there's certainly no place for it with your clients. And so even terms that are socially acceptable, I don't use them. And I would suggest you not use them either because you don't know who you're going to offend. And I also never get political. I never talk politics with the clients. I also never badmouth any other kind of nationality or race or any kind of other service company because that just looks bad you know that looks like you know this guy is a very critical condescending person now if you have like stickers on your truck from the previous election or from the upcoming election 
that's your choice to do that. I personally think you should be apolitical out there in business on your personal vehicle. If you want to put as many campaign stickers as you want, that's perfectly fine. For me, I think being neutral is the best way to do business out there. And I've done business with people that are extremely political, and it's kind of difficult on my end because I'm trying to steer them away from talking about that. And customers may approach you and say, hey, what do you think about this guy? You know, I kind of downplay it. Um, I don't really get into it. And I'll give them vague answers so they really don't know what side I fall on. Kind of like that skit on Saturday Night Live, Pat, where you don't know if it's a male or female. Kind of the same thing here. They don't know where I stand because I never give them a straight, flat-out answer on anything. And that's how you want to be. You want to be as neutral as possible. And then you want to watch your language. I mean, if you're out there on the phone talking to somebody and every other word's a profanity and the customer's hearing you, they're really going to get an impression of you. And I don't know if, you know what they're going to think of you depending on the client, but I just think it's a bad look. And if you're using profanity a lot in your personal life, chances are it's going to slip out in your conversation pretty easily. And so just like I am practicing saying sir or ma'am out there, you can practice yourself by not using profanity. And it may be difficult for you at first, but I think you can eliminate all of that from your vocabulary. And truthfully, I think profanity is just kind of a lazy way of talking because you don't have to really search deep for any kind of expressive words. You just say that word and you kind of throw it out there. And I think if you really want to grow as a business owner, finding better ways to express yourself, I think is going to be really helpful for you, not just in your business, but in your personal life when you're out there and you want to be expressive. You're not going to have these kind of crutch words to fall back on. And I think that's what profanity basically is. And I think if you eliminate that, you're going to go a long way in that first impression. And so the first impression of you is going to really stick with the client. The things I talked about are very basic, and these are something that you can implement very easily. And if this is something that you really don't do or don't pay attention to, it's something that you really need to be aware of. Because I mentioned if you're looking at any business on the internet, whether it's a pool service, a plumber, electrician, you know, window company, you're going to see these one-star reviews saying he wasn't very responsive. I remember I was looking for an asphalt company about two months ago, and one of the reviewers said that the people were using really profane language and they were cursing and the kids were in the car and they wouldn't recommend this company for their language. And that kind of speaks to what I was saying just a little bit earlier. And so that's a real world issue there, how you talk and how it can be interpreted and left as a review on your site, which is very difficult to remove. And if someone on your you know, these reviews saying that you're a profane person, people are going to get that impression of you before they even meet you. So you want to eliminate all that by making that good first impression. And then there's little things you can do to make a good second impression. And I think you forget that that needs to be done also, is that after the first impression, they're going to kind of be feeling you out to see if you are really that person or you're just faking it. And so there are a lot of things you can do. Continue calling them sir and ma'am. I always address the doctors on my route as doctor. They go, they went through a lot to become a doctor, and you got to show them that respect. And if they tell you, oh, don't call me doctor, I always say, well, you deserve it. I mean, all this school and training and what you do for society, I'm going to continue calling you doctor. And that's just kind of how I do it. And I think that's something that you need to implement. So keep that going as a second and third impression. Do little things also. So if you get there and they it was trash day and the cans are there, I take him in for the client. And that's something that I do to give a better impression. 
I have clients that still get newspapers. I take the newspaper from their gate and put it on their front porch. If I see the newspaper guy threw it in their grass, I get it out of the grass and put it somewhere else. I do little things like that that they appreciate. And I think if you do little things like that, you know, I have treats for the dogs and I, you know, these little things that I do at Christmas time, I leave them gifts. And I think these are all things that give them that second and third, fourth, fifth impression of you that reinforces that good first impression that you set for the client. And it's something that you're going to have to keep doing. And there's, of course, brownie points you earn. So like if something goes wrong, the fact that you have such a good high standing with the client makes it so that when something does go wrong, it's not like the end of the world. They'll respect you and they'll, it won't be something bigger than it needs to be because of all that that you built up with the client over over the time. But the first impression is probably the biggest and most important impression you're going to make on the client. If you're looking for other podcasts that I recorded, you can go to my website, Swimming Pro Learning, and on the banner, click on the podcast icon, and then there'll be a drop-down menu of the other podcasts that I recorded. And if you want to enhance your business, you can check out my coaching program at PoolGuyCoaching.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a great rest of your week. God bless. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Yeah! Real quick, if you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at getskimmer backslash pool guy. Again, that's getskimmer backslash pool guy. Skimmer, everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app.